Hey everyone, welcome back. This week I am joined by Rachel Stringer. Rachel is a TV presenter, sports reporter and runner and we connected last year. We both worked with Under Armour as running ambassadors here in the UK and we connected last year and I absolutely love Rachel's energy, her passion. Listening to this episode, I guarantee is going to energise you motivate you and probably make you want to lace up and get out for a run. So let's dive in to this week's episode. Welcome to the Power Hour. I'm Adrienne Herbert, wellness coach, international speaker and author. Each week I speak to a variety of guests from business founders to Olympic athletes, leading coaches, change makers and innovators to find out their daily habits, their rules to live by, and what motivates them to get up out of bed each day. Personally, I am on a mission to encourage, motivate, and inspire. So I hope that the Power Hour will help you to achieve your personal and professional goals. Rachel Stringer, welcome to the Power Hour podcast. How are you doing? Oh, thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm doing well. Um, We were just saying, weren't we, off camera or on camera I should say that it's weird that roles are reversed I'm always the one that's asking the questions so I have no idea I'll be any good at answering the questions that you're throwing at me today but we'll give it a go oh Rachel I'm sure that you will be as I said to you as well I've heard you speak and I just find you're such an engaging speaker you have so much energy I really think that I hope everyone listening to this episode I hope they're not you know tuning in for a calm relaxing um (laughs) interview I hope they're ready to you know get energized hopefully they're listening to this whilst they're out on a walk or a run because this is definitely going to motivate people to to lace up and get moving well I hope so yeah definitely I'm always kind of I guess, like an energizer bunny, like go, 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 go. Um, I hate sitting still. I guess that's what you'll probably learn from this conversation that if there is a time that I am just sat down, it's like I should be doing something or I want to be doing something to get the most out of my day. So, um, yeah, you'll learn about that as this podcast kind of like unfolds, I guess. Um, yeah, absolutely. And so for many people, they will they'll probably know your voice. They'll definitely recognize you as a TV presenter and a sports reporter, but also as a runner. So I think it's a great place to start. You know, the London Marathon has just been I recently ran the Hackney Half Marathon, which was my first race since pre-COVID. And honestly, just the energy being back with you know thousands of runners being in that starting pen being in London even just walking through the race village having to use the port like all of it was just so so exciting it, it just literally I was buzzing for days afterwards and I know that after the marathon there's often a buzz and a swell and people get so inspired they're like right okay I'm gonna grab my running shoes it kind of reignites people's um, excitement for running and I, I know that you've had you know a, an amazing uh, career in running and also a passion for running so I'd love to start there and I'd really love to just pass the mic to you and to kind of say, can you share with us, share with the listeners your experience and your journey into why and how you started running? Yeah, absolutely. But first I'll just say my first race back as well should have been the Hackney Half when it was meant to be, was it like May time possibly? Yeah. Then obviously got pushed back to last or a couple of weeks ago. And I was working, so I was gutted that I couldn't do it. I saw your pictures, um, <laughs> the little kind of cheer squad zone. You look like you're having the best time. I've run it um, before as well, and it is such a great event. And it goes past actually one of my mate's house. So he usually comes and sits out with a cup of coffee on his steps. I'm like, come on, you need to cheer. Um, <laughs> so I was gutted that I couldn't do that. And I couldn't do London this year either, because unfortunately... I'm a little bit of a weekend worker being like involved in sports and, and sports broadcasting. Sports is always on a weekend. So that's why I haven't had many races at the moment. But um, hopefully I'm going to do some of the Maverick races um, in a couple of months time. There's a ultra marathon in the dark in Surrey, but it starts wow. and finishes at a wine estate. So I was like, oh, kind of ticking two of my favorite <laughs> passions there. Anyway, let's um, start with where my running passion did begin uh, because I'm getting a little ahead of myself. So yeah, like you said, Adrian, like I kind of, I've been running now, I guess my whole life, pretty much. I started running, I'm going to not say by chance when I was 12, because I beat my best mate in a 200 meter to school sports day event and I thought she was the fastest girl on the planet so I beat her and then I remember going home to my dad being super excited and for some reason as a 12 year old I used 
to read the newspaper, classic me. And um, I saw a little article in it saying uh, recruiting, you know, young sports people for the Broadland District game. So I live in Broadland, which is in Norfolk. And I kind of said to my dad, I really want to go to this. So, you know, he takes me down to the local athletics club, City of Norwich, which then, you know, played a massive part in my life going forward. And I joined and I remember going to this event and I did the shot put, the long jump and the high hurdles. If anyone has ever met me, I'm not even five foot three. I'm tiny and uh, that's what I got put in. Shot put, needless to say, I wasn't very good. Long jump, I had the speed. So in my head, I thought I was good. The hurdles, I fell over in my first ever race on athletics track. Um, Didn't deter me though. I kind of went back for more and yeah, got really involved in the athletics club. And from like an early age, I then decided I was going to be the best and really wanted to specialize as well at an early age. I think for maybe two years I did the sprints, but kind of, again, looked ahead of myself and was like, you know what? I'm never going to be a sprinter. I'm really small. I'm not very muscly. What could I be good at? A long distance runner. Um, And so again, I kind of saw the best group at the the athletics club and I kind of asked desperately if I could join in with them and they agreed. And yeah, my athletics career then thankfully went from strength to strength as a youngster. And I um, represented like GB juniors and England juniors. And if you guys know anything about kind of school level sports in this country, there's something called the English schools. Mm. Um, I won that title twice back to back at 800 meters. Um, I won something called the UK School Games, which is an amazing event for school children as well at the 800 metres. Everything then was at the 800. Um, I went to India, actually, with my favourite ever race um, at the Commonwealth Youth Games. And I, I'm so gutted. I got the silver medal, but it was behind Caster Semenya and in front wow. of uh, Lindsay Sharp, who's a phenomenal athlete. She's actually pregnant at the moment as well. Um, yeah. So excited to see her have her first baby. But really great great athletes in that race. So I kind of came away with the silver, which I was really happy about. Um, so that was kind of my like older or like younger day athletics career. And then I just mm. fell out of love with it a little bit. Um, I had a couple of problems in my, in my life. Uh, when I was 16, unfortunately, my younger brother passed away. He had a rare brain tumor. Um, and I just decided at that moment running possibly wasn't for me. I, uh, I kind of had to take a break. It was all kind of too much to deal with mentally because sport at a high level is such a mental game. So if everything isn't particularly aligned, you need to take a step back and and figure that out before you can go again. And so I kind of talk about my running career in two parts. My younger athletics career, I'm going to call it a career, and now my running as a passion and a a hobby. Um, And that's where we kind of, I guess, got introduced to each other through Under Armour, which we're, yeah. we're both runners at the moment. And um, yeah, that's kind of where my, my second running career began when I moved to London, actually, um, mm. to start a career. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I really love that, you know, you had that real competitive, as you as you described it, that running career where it was about racing and it was about, you know, c- competing and you wanted to be the best. And, you know, as you say, you have so much energy and, and fortitude. And I can really imagine actually you just at the start line with this determined, you know, no one's going to beat me attitude. Um, but then, you know, when you when you talk about, you know, what happened to your brother and, and I'm so sorry to hear that. I mean, did, did you say you, you were 16 at the time? I was 16. Yeah, I was 16. Um, the la- I was just going into college actually. And my brother Andrew would have, was 13. Um, so yeah, I've got an older sister as well. So it was just a, one of those times where as a 16 year old, you have no idea how to process that. I don't even think as a 16 year old, you actually realize what death means that's quite mm. you know difficult to yeah, say mortality yeah. mortality isn't something that you you hopefully people you know children mortality isn't something that's on your radar when you're when you're 16 no so I think that you know you don't until it actually hits you you still think oh he's gonna come back or you know it it's not forever but it, you realize it is and then you you have to deal with that and um it puts you in a different space mentally so you have to kind of think well what do you do you want in life and unfortunately for me um, straight away afterwards, running became everything. So I remember going the day after my brother passed away, I went 
to a training session that evening, actually, I remember my dad taking me to a physiotherapist. I think my physio knew what had happened, but just it just wasn't mentioned because that had been booked. And I think my parents wanted to keep as much normality in my life as possible. So I went to the physio on the day it happened. The day after I was back training, you know, pitch black, walking through a field, it's raining. I'm like, what am I doing? But I needed that in my life. And actually my my success came quite quickly after that, I think, because it gave me that that edge possibly, some would say. Um, but then when I had kind of got a, quite a few achievements under my belt, I think it all became a, a bit too much going, I need to focus on myself before I find what I want next. And then, mm. so I took a, I, I took quite a while off. I remember there was um, one session at City of Norwich and I was doing 300 meter reps and I just stopped. I walked off the track and I said to my coaches, I'm done. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. I need a break. I need a timeout. And um, such great coaches, they, you know, obviously listened. And I said to myself, I will come back to competitive athletics if I don't find something as fulfilling as what I feel when I run. So that was always like my goal. So I wanted a career, which I loved as as much as I do my running. So that was kind of my mission, but um, always wanted to keep running there as not a backup, just as part of me. You know, my mm. first email address was runner underscore Rachel at homel.com. I mean, like classic <laughs> when you're, you're like 12 or something. Um, I was always known as, you know, the Rachel who runs. Uh, so I had to find that again. And I had, yeah, quite a while off. And it was coming to, to London when I was about 21, 22. And I started working at BT Sport. And I actually got offered the chance to run the London Marathon I think it must have been 2015 or something and I remember speaking to my family saying I can't run you know 26.2 miles like it's so far I'm an 800 meter runner and they just said well you know you might never get to do it again it's a great opportunity like have a go and that then literally to someone like you Rachel someone like you and I when someone says have a go I actually always say I'm like yeah no well I was gonna say I often say that my idea of like oh give it a try means I will absolutely give everything 100% blood sweat and tears all my energy and focus and attention that is my version of I'll just give it a try I feel like you're the same people realize that when they get to know me I'll tell you a story actually um a little bit further in the podcast of a, of something that happened to me that this year with the same kind of give it a go attitude. But I gave, I gave the London Marathon a, a go, but that also opened up this amazing running culture world to me in London, which I never knew existed. I'd probably been in London for about a year and I thought, well, I need to do a bit of training if I'm going to run the marathon. So I found some brilliant communities, some clubs. I went and joined in Run Dem Crew. I went and joined in Track Mafia on a Thursday night. I did the London Brunch Club on a a Sunday morning. I did the Nike Run Clubs. Like, whatever running club was going, I thought, well, I can go and run and then make a new friend because I love people. So I'm like, oh, let's go and make a new friend with someone. Um, And that just completely transformed my running as it is now into being fun, being about going and making friends, not being about running fast. I completely changed my mindset of, you know what, running is for you. And there's this whole nother world to running, which doesn't have to be ultra competitive. No one looks at your times, you know, you can literally go out there and enjoy it. And, and that's what I started to do. Um, And then did London and I thought it was the best day of my entire life. I mean, that's quite an over-exaggeration, but it was amazing and I love London and I'm so jealous I didn't get to do it a couple of weeks ago yeah I mean there's so many things Rachel as you're talking I was thinking about you know just just looping back to when you said about the the hotmail address and you know having this thing that is like part of you and part of your identity and I think for so many people whether it's running whether it's a different sport it can become so much a part of your identity that I mean as you know if you get injured or if you can't do what you want to do for a little while or for example people that are you know into training to become professional or they're semi or they're elite and then they 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 can't do it anymore. And it's almost like it can become so much of their identity that without it, they don't really know, you know, what what's left, you know, who am I without it? So I thought that was really, really interesting. But then also the part about community and about London and about the different running clubs, all of the different <laughs> running clubs that you tried, because we know that, you know, during the pandemic, 
loneliness has been a real a real high for a lot of people and regardless of whether you live in the people think of loneliness and i think they often think of someone you know very old and just living in the middle of nowhere but actually a lot of young people you can be living in the busiest city in the world and sadly you can still feel lonely you can still feel isolated you know we can have i don't know 10,000 people that we follow online or, or follow us online, but people can still feel that that sense of loneliness. So do you think that actually the running community and, you know, running clubs and those spaces can be, yeah, a, a gateway and a good way for people to actually now, as things are opening up again, to reconnect in real life with new people? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, my best friend actually is a runner and someone I met at the London Brunch Club. I was a bridesmaid for her about three months ago maybe um so that proves that you just meet such like-minded people that you connect with and I always think that you connect with someone on a much deeper level when you're running with them I think I read like a research study that because you're not looking at them in the eye because obviously you're running next to someone that you're happy to open up much more and kind of go to that deeper level of conversation which I think is so true you you've probably done it as well you've been on a run with a mate and you've just told them your whole life story and you're like, why have I just done that? And it's possibly because if you go for dinner, you're sitting across a table and there's that intensity, isn't there, when you're just kind of staring at each other and you've got nowhere else to go. But when you're running, obviously kind of your endorphins are going anyway, so you're in a happier place. And you probably think, you know what, I'm just going to let off steam to the person next to me. And yeah, so my best friend, I met her at, at London Brunch Club and then quite a lot of my my great friends have come from running Um one who I met on camp with Kelly, actually, Dame Kelly Holmes's running camp when we were 16. We we're both wearing the same jeans and we thought that was like a sign that we should be best mates. So she's been a friend for life. But I think running, again, we're possibly a, a different breed of people. Even if you're going on a run on your own, you know, you can run past someone and you'll get that nod like of approval to say like, you know, you're doing the same thing or or you'll say yeah, hello you. to your... You'll say hello to a runner, won't you? Not a dog walker, but the runners will be like, hi, like, you know, we're out for a run as well. Um, That kind of smug feeling, um, which I think is really important. And, you know, I do a lot of runs on my own because, again, if you're getting up to do a run at some ungodly hour, then not everyone wants to come and join you. But the best runs are when I can go with a friend. You know, you'll go out and do 10 miles and you'll think you've done two. Um, Going out to a 10K sometimes on my own feels like I've gone out forever, but mm. I can go with some of my mates and it, it it's just gone in a flash because you've had a social meetup as well. Um, yeah. And I think the clubs in London are really approachable. Like people might, listening might again go, oh, I, I can't go on my own. But I always went on my own. Um, and yes, you know, I'm a relatively confident person, but I'm not kind of a complete extrovert. I, you know, don't always find it the, the easiest thing to go up and talk to someone. But again, once you've started that run usually a club has 20 or 30 people in London and you can go up and chat to someone. And the thing, is, the, the great thing about that is, you know, if they don't get on with you or you don't get on with them, just slow down off, like speed up and then you can go and find someone else. I used to do that all the time. I love that. You can chase after the, the, the next person. But also I'll be honest, Rachel, because when you were saying like, you know, meet up for a 10 mile run or you'll say, oh, you know, it's not about the times, but you are an incredibly fast runner. And also the thought of going for a 10 mile run for some people, you know, that is like a marathon. So if someone's listening and they're like, okay, this is great for you to sporty pants, but actually the, the, the barrier, I think, for a lot of people who say to me, Adrian, you know, you you sell me this running dream, but I can't run yet. And they'll say to me like, oh, I need to train before I can join the running club. And I'm always trying to tell people that, you know, there's different paces. No one gets left behind. It's a really, it, it doesn't, the way we're talking about it, I don't think sounds that um uh, approachable but but truly it is you're not going to oh, totally. to see 20 elite athletes who are just going to leave you in their dust like it really is a group thing right oh yeah run dem crew i can't remember the animals but they have different animals don't they on terms of speeds i think it's the gazelles are the fastest and then it possibly goes down like to a tiger and a hare i can't remember the run dem crew members are gonna go you've got that all wrong but that just shows <laughs> the different speeds and they had a, a run leader for each of those speeds, which I think is amazing. At London Brunch Club, again, we got we used to get given, I think it was a distance. So we'd say, we're going to do this 10-mile loop. And again, there was different people who could run different speeds. And then we'd all meet for brunch at a coffee shop 
designated endpoint and you'd all meet up there. And yes, some people might be a bit behind, but you never turned up on your own. That was a difference. There was always someone leading the group and always someone at the back for the slower runners. Um, So you never felt excluded. And, you know, okay, yeah, I've been a runner all my life, so I do find it easier. Like I am a runner. I couldn't go and I'm not very like a team sport person. Don't get me to do a racket sport, like terrible. Um, But for anyone who wants to start running, like my dad, this is no word of a lie. The last two evenings, he's on Strava. I'm his only follower and he only follows me. And he's sent me a link to his Strava saying, are you proud, Rach? He's not even done a mile. He's done two laps of the village he lives in at, I think, 16 minute mile pace. But he's like, is this progression? What should I do tomorrow? I was like, have you done about 16 minutes for your mile? I was like, right, tomorrow we're going to do 18 minutes and hopefully you'll get just over a mile. Um, yeah. I'm very much just have a go. My sister, she had a baby recently and she's doing the same kind of thing. I'm like, you can walk and you can jog. It doesn't matter. And then we'll get there. Um, hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm very much running is for everybody. And I, I say that a lot. I think everybody should give, give it a go because for me, it's quite transformational. And it, it I don't know what kind of person I would be without it. Um, mm. It very yeah, much I, sets me up for a day and makes me a happier person. Yeah, I mean, I feel like people who are regular listeners of the show will be like, is it, it, has Adrienne found her, she's found her <laughs> doppelganger, you know? Like, we've definitely that same, you know, love the mornings, love to get out. It actually energizes me it gives me more energy than it takes actually to to start my day with a run so I know we could talk about running all day but I'd also (laughs) love to talk to you Rachel about your career and you know I I I know you have such a passion for sport and it's so apparent and it's really impressive to to watch you do what you do you know you've presented at some huge sports events including e-soccer aid and world athletics alongside some of the biggest you know global superstars of sport like Usain Bolt and and James McIntyre McAvoy. So I'd love to talk a little bit about that and for you to tell us how you first got into sports presenting. I know you mentioned working at BT Sport. Was that your entry in? Um, Actually, my entry in was at uni. That was kind of um, going back to what I said, I kind of needed to find something that I felt as passionate about as I did my running. So um, it was just a chance encounter with somebody at uni who was running the student radio and he said he'd just done a BBC sports reporter course um I went to uni in Loughborough so he said go and try out for Leicester anyway I did hated radio but was like actually I think I could do sports tv um at that stage in my career I don't think I could really convey my message just through my voice I needed to be expressive like I am as a person so that was my first kind of little in and then I got the buzz, like, you know, we all do. And it, I'm going to say it's not, it's not easy to do something like, well, any career, but something which, you know, have no contacts. What do I do? Where do I go? But I think it's just about perseverance. I kind of looked and went, okay, the uh, Paralympic Games in London was coming up after I graduated. I was like, how on earth do I get a job at the Paralympic Games? Um and no word of a lie, I wrote to or emailed the exec producer at Sunset and Vine. That's a company who were making the coverage for Channel 4 probably every two months for an entire year. And until he said to me, Rachel, your perseverance has been um, rewarded. You can have a job. <laughs> Literally, I still have that email. And so it shows to that. me that, you know, not not to the annoying level, but like I kept saying, I've done this. I hope, you know, this, you know, looking on this fondly, like I've kept... I kept doing things that were going to be valuable um, for what he wanted in in somebody. I really love that, the message around perseverance because, and also the detail. I think, you know, often people will say, oh, follow your passion and and go in that direction. So if you're passionate about sport or music or fashion, you know, just just follow your passion. And I think that, that information or that kind of guidance sometimes is kind of useless. Whereas I, I really love that, A, you persevered, but the detail to go, okay, this is coming up. This is the person who can make this happen for me. I can email them. It's an an actual action that you're taking. And I recently hosted a goal setting workshop online. And I gave this example of, you know, obviously I do a lot of speaking, you do a lot of speaking. And people sometimes ask me about, you know, TEDx. And they'll say, oh, how did you, I'd love to do a TEDx. And they they say that's a goal, but that's where it stops. And so I often say to people, I'm like, well, which one do you want to speak at? Because they happen all over the world. If you want to do, for example, London, then do you know when it happens? 
is it October? Is it November? Like, when do they book the speakers? Maybe that's six months before. Who books those speakers? Look on the website, email them, do a pitch, follow them on Twitter. And now, now you've got a plan. And then people go, oh, like that's, that's a lot of work. I'm like, yeah, yeah. but now you have a plan <laughs> instead of just saying, you know, yeah, you're passionate about sport, Rach, go and uh, be a presenter. You know, it's like the, the granularity, I think, as well as the perseverance is, yeah, definitely something that I think people need to, to just do that more often. Do you, do you know what I mean? Totally. I, you know, I'm sure you do, as I do. I get a lot of people saying, you know, can I have some advice or, or what, what do I do to get into a job like you're doing? And I... I have to kind of go back and go, well, I can, I can kind of give you some contacts, but that's not particularly going to help you. And I always tell them what I did. I say, look at if it's television or YouTube, look at that show and then watch the entire show to have a feel about what the context of that show is now, because it changes every single day. And then watch the credits, have a look at who produces that show, have a Google, find them on LinkedIn, find their email address. But don't just say like, I want a job. Say, I love that show because I saw a certain feature in it which really resonates with me and I feel like I can add some value in that in some in some respect. Um, and I think that's also too much hard work for a lot of people. They just want you to give them a contact and they, they hope they'll get a job and that that isn't unfortunately how it happens. Um, so I got this you know this job at the Paralympics and then this is how it happens. The guy that hired me, really enjoyed working with me and then gave me my first job at BT Sport because they thought, you know, I, I was a good person to work with and I was conscientious. I was always there on time, hardworking. And that's then how you get um, an opening to something that you, you want to do. And that's where my career in, in TV started on screen because I started mm-hmm. firstly in, in TV as a researcher, like behind the camera. And you know what? That was great. I always thought I'd be a producer and I'm kind of doing a bit of a full circle now going back to creating my own shows. But um, then I got an opportunity. I was doing a a few Vox Pops. So basically talking to people on the street, but doing a a top and tail, like so talking to camera at the beginning, saying, hi, my name is Rachel. And then at the end, like doing an outro as well. Um, And then I basically got made redundant after my first year at working at BT Sport as a researcher but the head of BT Sport then came to me and was like, I've got bad news. We're making you redundant. But would you like to be, in inverted commas, trained up to be a TV presenter? I was like, oh, gosh. Um, you know, when you actually get given that opportunity, you say to yourself, am I ready? I remember speaking to my mum on the phone being like, I'm not sure. And she just said, Rach, just have a go again. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> again, have a go. And I just put everything into it after, you know, that moment. And um yeah, that was in 2015, I think. So that was, you know, six, gosh, six years ago now. Well you, well, you say six years ago, but I feel like, you know, you've done so much and you're so brilliant at presenting that you, you're so brilliant. To be honest, I thought that you'd been presenting for longer. I thought you'd probably say like 10 years. So I think when, you know, we mentioned a little bit about people ask you for advice and, you know, do you think that it's changed at all now. Like, for example, when people ask me about, well, do I need to have a social media presence? Do I need to have videos on YouTube so that people can Google me and they can look it up? And I'm I'm thinking about this a lot at the moment as somebody who, you know, I've created a lot of things as like a digital entrepreneur, I guess. And I often think that, you know, I do think it's important. I can Google anyone now and see, okay, do they have a website? I can look at their social media page. So would you, would you say that it's changed at all? If someone's asking you for that advice? Yes, of course, go and do the work, go and research, find out email. But do you think it's also important to have a little bit of a, I guess, professional brand online so that if people quickly Google you, maybe they can find a video of you presenting or they can find your, your artwork or whatever it is. Yeah, totally. I mean, I say this as well quite a lot. Um, if someone wants to be a TV presenter, I say, well, just go and start filming yourself doing that, doing whatever it is. What what sport do you love? Rugby. Fab. Okay, go down to, to wherever you're a season ticket holder at the rugby and I film a little link to camera going into the game and do a little match report afterwards. That, you know, it's so easy now to do that. I think even when I started... I had to get my mum to come and, you know, film on like one of those massive camcorder things. I mean, I'm not that old, but it still feels like that's what she would record on. Um, Whereas we all have our phones now to do it. And even if it's just making a couple of Instagram reels, that then when you're emailing or reaching out to this person, you can 
add those along with your email because ultimately if you're asking for a presenting job they want to see you talk um unless you know you you and I now and they can kind of google us but otherwise it's really difficult they're not going to pick you know you over somebody else but you know there's also so many ways to do it I work a lot in esports and there's so many avenues there you you can go and stream on Twitch and all you need there is to to link up your camera and you can stream for two or three hours just chatting and if I think that's probably one of the best ways to to grow your experience as well because no one's particularly going to watch but you can pretend that they are you know you've got the capacity for millions of people to watch and you might get lucky one day and Twitch put you on their their main homepage carousel and millions of people will watch you so there's there's platforms like that Facebook lives Instagram lives that anyone can can have a go and build up that experience while no one's really watching and then the best ones yeah sure just send them to to somebody that you've researched and you're passionate about working on their show on their production and hopefully you know it's a little bit of luck as well but if you you know luck is where you know yeah yeah, the opportunities are there because you're good um so you've got to put yourself out there yeah, and this is such, such valuable advice. So anyone listening who, you know, it's often, like you said, people reach out, they ask for advice. But I honestly, I hear people with this like lofty, as I said, just, you know, focus on what you love. And it's like, it's not helpful. Whereas this is actual tangible stuff. Because as you said, if you're practicing, whether it's on Twitch, whether it's on Facebook Live or whatever, often when I say that to people, they'll go, oh my gosh, no way. Like, I, oh, I'm not, I'm not confident enough to do that. And it's like, well, if you're not confident enough to create a video that maybe seven people will watch or maybe 700 or whatever, then how how confident are you going to feel when someone does give you the job you know or, or like you said about getting the experience it's not just the experience I think it's actually you know the the what goes wrong you know having to think on your feet having to prepare things really quickly if, if you know for example something's happening tomorrow and then suddenly you've got to you know I've got to write a script and I've got to do some research I've only got a day to prep so you've got to be able to just I think in the digital world and and how quick things happen now you've got to be ready if and when that email does drop into your inbox that says hey okay cool come down and do a screen test or You've got to be ready and not just physically ready, but I think mentally you've got to have the confidence. So all those Zooms, all those uh, Facebook Lives, all those IG Lives, whatever it is, that that's really, really valuable practice. And that Rachel, even happens, I know- yeah, that happens now though, Adrian. Like the other week, my, my co-host had COVID. So we usually split the Superbike shows that I work on and I had to do 10 hours live a day. And that was, I've never done that before in my life, you know, 10 hours sitting there on Eurosport talking about motorbikes. And it just, you you never know what's going to happen. And that's the same with these people, you know, anyone that we're talking to here who's listening, you, you could write an email and somebody could be ill and then you get your chance. So always be ready, you know, never pretend that you're there. If you're not quite there, don't send the email yet because mm. you might get that shot and you might not be ready. Um so yes absolutely and also Rachel so a lot of what you do is live now when I say live I'm talking capital letters red light flashing this is going out broadcast live and now even as someone who I think I'm relatively experienced I've done I've done quite a lot of live events pre-covid you know where I just have my cue cards and you know the people in front of you might be a couple of hundred might be even a few thousand but you know that's that's as live as it's ever been for me whereas things like you know this podcast or when I'm being in interviewed myself I know there's a little bit of you know something could be edited out or if I I don't know had a a coughing fit then it would be fine but the idea of live broadcast that's got to have some uh, some pros and cons so can you tell us like the best and worst moments for you in live presenting yeah I mean you know what before I before I say that live is what I basically live for um I think that comes down to my performance running background that I love that pressure situation of I have to be amazing otherwise uh -uh, I'm falling literally off air so it's that moment when I'm so focused on what I'm doing and I know I'll be fine because I know my subject matter um and that little bit of extra pressure goes, you're not going to muck up. You're just going to do it and it's going to be great. And my production teams that I work on actually joke that I'm so much worse when it's pre-recorded. If I know I have 10 <laughs> minutes to do a pre-recorded link, I will fluff all over the shop. If it's live, and it's exactly the same example last a couple of weeks ago at a bikes meeting, I couldn't do this one pre-recorded link that I'd set myself. Yet 
when uh, some some riders were going on the podium to lift up a championship um, trophy, the, the, my cameraman proves like, you've got one shot of this. And I was like, no worries, I'll nail it. And they're like, never, ever let us do anything pre-recorded with you. You are brilliant live. And I was like, thank you. <laughs> Told you I hate doing pre-recorded. You, um, you, you, quite, you want the adrenaline, don't you? I do. I want that extra pressure. I like buzz off it. But um, yeah, in terms of what you asked, I remember there was this one time and actually it relates to running as well. I'd just done the Hackney Half Marathon. This must have been a couple of years ago. And I was going straight to host the... Wickham Wanderers Football Awards. Like, I love that club. I, I don't support them, but they're a great family club. And Gareth Ainsworth, the manager, is such a dude. And they invited me down to host their awards. For some reason, I'd got some uh, blood blisters on my toe. I am graphic. It's horrible. And I was getting my feet, obviously, into a pair of heels. Short. Needed to look the part for this awards evening. And I literally stacked it off the stage because my feet were in so much pain in this awards with all these footballers all the people were watching and I kind of was like I'm so sorry like made a joke I was like I'm so sorry but um I have just run the half marathon I'm really tired um you know (laughs) but it's like we're fine we're here and they were just like oh classic Rachel um so that was a live encounter which didn't particularly go to plan um but again I've you know everyone has done it you all make a couple of mistakes on air but I think it's just you either acknowledge them and I say something like, oh gosh, Rachel, you know, I've got to put my glasses on or put my teeth in or something and make light of it because you're only human and the people that are watching actually will find it entertaining as well. And you're much more relatable. So don't worry so much about it because it happens to the best broadcasters on the planet. You know, Claire Balding, Gabby Logan, sports presenters in the, in the UK, they'll have all made a couple of errors in their careers and, you know, they're still who they are today. It doesn't, you know, mean they're a worse broadcaster. Um, yeah, yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. I think that the, that's the fun of live as well, isn't it? It's that human element, as you say. And I always love, love, love watching, you know, obviously we had the Olympics in the summer and I enjoy the commentary and the sports commentary and presenting just as much as the actual events. And yeah. I feel like when you watch, for example, like Michael Johnson, Denise Lewis, you know, they're sitting there with, and, and even at Wimbledon, you know, in Sue Barker and I, I love the real moments. So when you see them, sometimes they'll show you like what's going on in the in that room whilst yeah. the race is happening and they're all jumping out of their chairs and it should that you know you see them all professional you know discussing the athletes but then you see that real human element as well of yeah whether it's absolute excitement or whether it's uh, I don't know sometimes just people there was I think there was a day because of COVID they obviously hadn't been able to see each other before in wardrobe and everyone this was during the Olympics that just was in the summer each one of the presenters was four of them and they were all wearing red every yeah. single one of them and obviously normally obviously as producer somebody would have said oh you know can you change or da, da, da. and they all kind of sat there Jessica Ennis Hill was the guest and every single one of them was wearing red and they kind of just made a joke about it they said you know during Covid we haven't seen each other until we've gotten to this two metres apart and well hopefully it'll be lucky you know for the for the for uh, team GB that we're all here in red but I think it's um yeah I think as well because of social media now, we've, you know, I think maybe TV before, before social media, it was this kind of barrier of this, you know, perfect, um, you know, news presenter, TV presenter. But I think that having the realness of social media has kind of broken that barrier a little bit. And even for, for aspiring presenters or hosts or, you know, podcast hosts, radio hosts, I actually think we like that it's a little bit more, you know, people are a bit more rough around the edges, they're a bit more honest, they might have, you know, regional accents. And I think actually it's, yeah, people enjoy that a lot more. Yeah, I think so. I you know, I've never done journalism training per se. I did the, the sports reporter course. It was an internship, but, you know, it wasn't particularly being trained up. I have never had any training. I literally go out, go out there and just be myself, which I think is is part of being a presenter anyway. You know, you've just got to, I always say, be yourself, but maybe 10% happier than what you usually are because no one wants you when you've just got out of bed. They want you like the, your best, which is, you know, when you're with your friends or, or at a party or socialising. It's um, not the, the Rachel or Adrienne that's sitting and having their tea at 8am in the morning. But there we go. That's, again, another story. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Yeah, well, let's talk about that because, as you know, you know, mornings, Power Hour podcast. Mm-hmm. I couldn't, of course, uh, have you on the show without diving into to your mornings because, again, you've got so much energy. You are, you know, you have to be, you know, have to be on, right? So whether it's literally on camera, you've got to show up, you've got to have that energy, you've got to look good and feel good. So I would love to know what time you wake up in the morning and on a typical day, what does the first hour look like for you? Yeah, well, if you'd have asked me this question, I'm going to say about three months ago, it would look very different to what it does now. Because uh, three months ago, I um, I don't know if you know, I took part in the Magnolia Cup, which is a, um, a horse race for strong females at Goodwood. And I was getting up. I learned how to ride a racehorse in three months this year. I was getting <laughs> of up. Of course, at you three, did. <laughs> I know. I was getting up at three fifty a.m. My alarm would go off. And I have never seen anybody get out of bed as quickly as I used to because I had probably four minutes to get my coffee made, to put in a, um, a mug to go into my car, to drive an hour and a half to Newmarket to ride horses until I had to come home and then start working again. So my mornings have become a little bit more relaxed since um, that, thankfully, has ended, that absolute ordeal that I put myself through. Amazing, but it was a roller coaster. So my, I'm not really a 3.50 a.m. kind of girl. I'm more of... I don't have an alarm unless I have to get up early because t- TV is always a little bit kind of later in the sports that I do, um, unless it's time difference and whatever. So usually about 7am and I very much like, as you'd probably expect, to go for a run. Um, and that's just because I'm not really someone who likes to do runs in like the middle of the day or possibly in the evenings because I hate it once you're dressed and you're ready and you've put your makeup on your hair. To then have to go and do that again, maybe that's just a time conscious thing. So if I if I wake up early, I'm out the door. Nothing, you know, just maybe a sip of water, I'm out there because there's nothing better than feeling that little bit of smugness that comes from I've already achieved something this morning, albeit a 5k. That's what I did, did this morning. I just ran 5k. Um, but in my head, I'm like, if I do nothing else today, if I achieve nothing else, I've been out there, I've moved my body. And I've ticked a box of something that I enjoy, a little bit of something for myself. So that's really how important many mornings, for me. How many mornings typically would you do that, Rachel? Is that every, would you do that every morning? Or no, do you, how there's no, days? there's, there's no. I don't have a a set structure, and that's okay. what running is to me now. It's when I feel like it, but I do know that it will make me feel better. So you know, even this morning, I got up and I was like, "Do I really want to go out today?" And I have this internal dialogue with myself, as I'm sure a lot of you do. And, you know, half of me is like, I'm just going to get a shower and have a really lovely breakfast. I was like, but you're not going to be out to run tomorrow because I'm busy. And then I'm working the weekend. I'm busy. I'm like, technically, I might be able to squish in like a 5K. So in my head, I'm like, I'm going to miss running for four days. I'm going out today now. And yeah. once you're out, it's so much better. Then I came back and it started raining. I was like, yes, I won a life this morning. Double I got win. out, double win, got out, had my run, made myself feel good about myself. Um, and it, it just personally really sets me up for my day. But it you know, doesn't have to be a run. You know, my family are not big runners at all. They would go out for a walk. And I think it's exactly the same thing. It's just getting outside, out of those four walls and getting that fresh air Um which does everybody, in my opinion, the world of good. Yeah, I love that. And especially the point that you made, you couldn't, you can just walk. I think actually, especially as we're going into the darker, sadly, darker, colder mornings, we're going to be spending more time indoors. And I think actually, if you're not 
a runner or if it's not a day when you want to run then you're so right literally just zipping up that coat I often um because I just listen to so many podcasts I listen to so many books on audible it's literally yeah, the highlight of my day oh my gosh it's the highlight of my day every day so I don't want to even if I'm not running I don't want to just be indoor, indoors all the time so I just put on my headphones and I'll go out and I'll walk for 30 minutes and it's, it's not a, it's not a stroll it is a power walk um but then coming back and opening my laptop and starting you know my day script emails podcasts whatever I'm doing it's it's you're right it's so different and I think for anyone listening who you know during the winter months I always it's quite seasonal right people will say oh my gosh I've lack motivation I don't want to get out there it's cold and it's dark it's miserable but I think once you start to make it just kind of like a habit you know you just like cleaning your teeth just like uh, anything else that you might have to do like the school run for example you know I, I I think whatever the weather is I still have to take my son to school so I still am forced to go out in the mornings but for people who don't have that and if you're working from home please 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 try and make some kind of uh, just effort to get outside every morning because it will make such a difference to your physical health your mental health and honestly I felt it so much last year Rachel in in January of the pandemic the obviously it was the started in March right so it was almost a year into it and that January I felt like it was dark day and night you know you've got the lights on in your house it's two o'clock in the afternoon you've got the light on and I just had to force myself to go outside because I thought I can't be I felt like a caged animal just like I can't be in my house so yeah I think uh, now more than ever we have got to get outside and I think you know it makes it easier if you go and buy like some cool kit that you're passionate about, like wearing. I, you know, I've gone through many kind of a season in running and not really having the right kit. But if you do genuinely go and get like a decent waterproof and decent pair of running shoes that you actually want to go out and run in, that like, it might sound stupid, but it does make the difference if you are ready, you know, to brave the elements, Um, which again, not many people do, do they? They might go out in a hoodie and then if it's raining, that's going to weigh you down and it's not going to make your run enjoyable. So it's just yeah. like thinking. Oh yeah. yeah. It sounds, as you said, it sounds like a small and obvious thing, but, but I just, swear. No one thinks first, about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I swear for the first three years or four years of, I was a runner, I didn't own gloves and yeah. I used to go out and I'd be so miserable. My hands would be pink and then they'd turn purple and you're kind of like blowing onto your hands, rubbing your hands. And then I think one day, like this is, I don't even know where they came from, but I, you know, must've been sent like, you know, uh, a kit drop with some really awesome kit. And there was some, you know, winter gloves and I was like, okay, wicked. Oh my gosh. The difference. <laughs> like life changing moment. I was like, you could have just spent a tenner on a pair of gloves. And I literally went out running and I was like, what have I been doing? Like, honestly, the smallest thing can have the biggest impact. So yeah, if you're like me, you know, you know, a a bit of a fair weather runner, then that small thing of, yeah, get a pair of gloves, get some, get a headband that covers your ears. Like literally something that small. They are game changers, those headbands. Let me tell you, I'm, I live in those during winter months when I go out running. Oh gosh, I mean, run chat. I hope that, like I said, for runners listening, they'll be nodding along, being like, I know we've yes, deviated Rachel. again, haven't we? To our running chat, gosh, we're, we're yeah, runners through and through, aren't we? We love it. <laughs> well, before we wrap up, because I've absolutely loved talking to you, it's been amazing. Before I wrap up, is there anything in the mornings, in that power hour time, it, whatever time it is for you, you've got different schedule every day. Is there anything that you actively avoid? So you're just like, I'm not going to do that in the morning. Yeah, well, it's more of like what else I do. Again, it's probably going back to what we were talking about a little bit earlier. I have a little goal of I have to write two or three emails before I do anything else. So I go go on my run, I come back and I'm having breakfast and I sit there and I go, it's kind of like, if if I, the more emails I put out, surely it's, you know, the law law of probability that I'm going to get some replies and I'm going to get something good is going to come from the emails. So I think, you know, if you write 10 emails, one person is going to reply out of those 10. So that's something always on my to-do list, um, you know, whatever I'm working on at the moment or to create more opportunities, that's something that I do in my mornings. And I feel, again, if I've done that, then I can kind of go, and if I haven't got anything on that day, I can go and do something which I'm enjoying because I've already set my day how I wanted it to start. I've set it with the right intention. So, um, again... I really like that as well. Yeah, so I, I really do that. And that's always on my phone of what I do. Um, uh, but in terms of what I don't do, I try, you know, like everyone does, it's the same thing. Don't start your day comparing yourself to other people on social media. That's a massive no. So if I'm going out for my run, it's like, I don't even need to go on my phone, you know, put on my podcast, whatever I'm listening to. 
Um, put on whatever music you listen to. Go out. You don't need to start comparing the first thing in the morning. Um, mm. So that's, I think, the only thing that I particularly stay away from. Otherwise, I'm I'm very much like a doer first thing. The, the mornings to me are you know are pretty important to to set yourself up the way that you want your day to to go. I really like the actioning of the emails because often I think when people myself included think about opening their emails in their inbox it's often about response so for me I'll go okay here we go open it up and obviously as much as that's a wonderful position to be in that you know lots of people are sending you emails and you've got to get back to people about different things it can start to feel like sometimes like a bit of a doom box of like oh gosh like people chasing you and oh sorry apologies for the late reply I've been busy and I feel like it's kind of like a response reply 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 but what I really like about what you just said you know about putting out your your requests first and saying, okay, I'm going to send three emails out. I'm going to put them out there. And actually then you're waiting, hopefully for those replies, but also it's that actionable thing, isn't it? As you said, around creating space, creating opportunities, creating new conversations to actually get what you want, not just give people what they're asking of from you. Totally. That's the secret, isn't it? If you don't put out what you want to the universe, you're never going to get it back. (laughs) So that's what I live by. What a fantastic place to finish. Thank you so much, Rachel. And for everyone listening who I'm sure wants to hear more, where can people find your podcast? Where can people follow you online? Yeah, um, obviously on all the socials, um, at Rachel underscore Stringer on Instagram. And I have a running podcast for you runners. I mean, you've talked running till it literally <laughs> it's done, but it's the Keep Running podcast. And you can find that on all the podcast apps as well. So yeah, that's what where you can find me if you want to see what I'm up to um, in the future. Fab, thank you so, so much, Rachel. And as I said at the start, I'm sure people are going to be feeling motivated, feeling energized. So let us know if you have enjoyed this episode. I say it every week. And honestly, I listen to so many podcasts where at the end they'll say, please rate and review the show on iTunes. And I think, (laughs) okay, I'm driving. I'll do it later. And I actually don't. So I made a point the other day of rating and reviewing all of the podcasts that I love just to say, you know, we often complain if things aren't good. We'll send a, you know, a tweet that moans, but we, we, we're often we often don't tell people when we when we like their work or when we enjoy what they do so if you do enjoy this show then please do let us know we love to see the feedback and uh, yeah let us know reach out to rachel or myself and let us know that you enjoyed this episode have an awesome week thanks for listening see ya Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.